This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're now listening to Boomsies with Dan O'Toole on the Bet Rivers Network. And away we go. This is Boomsies. Nada Moore. That's a professional singer. A lot of feedback on last week's episode with Ryan Dempster. Canadian living legend. Big league pitcher. And then I, I listened to the interview. I'm like, I forgot to ask him. He's never had a real job, I don't think. He's just He went from playing baseball as a kid and then became a Major League Baseball player. So I, I want to call him back and say, have you ever had a real job, like a dishwasher? Did you work at a car wash? Did you pump gas? These are all jobs I did. And I should safely assume... Everyone hasn't had the same jobs I've had. But maybe. I don't know. So if you didn't hear, Taylor Swift announced six concert dates in over a year. She's coming to uh, my area in over one year's time. Six dates announced at uh, Rogers Center, which is the Sky Dome. So I'm like, six dates at a, what, 40, 50,000 seat stadium? No problem. We'll uh, we'll get those tickets. We'll be going. And then my kids start sending me instructional videos on how to get tickets. I'm like, no, kids, you just you just go on the uh, the site or call up the number and say, I'll have four of those tickets, please. I say, but dad, it doesn't work that way. You got to watch this video. I'm like, I... Kids, I'm 47. I've been around. I've got tickets before. This is how you do it. So anyway, that's not how you get Taylor Swift tickets. 31 million people in a country of 40 million signed up to get tickets. And I don't know a single person that got them. I I smell something fishy going on here. And then Sully, who's a regular uh, reoccurring character on this show, my friend in Vegas, he's like, Dan, I got a ticket guy. I'm like, oh, I like guys who have guys. So I call up the guy. Hey, guy, give me some of those tickets. When a ticket broker says no shot, then you know something's up. Needless to say, there was no T-Swizzle tickets purchased by the O'Toole household. So 
Taylor Swift left a lot of uh, damage in her wake. A lot of parents feeling inadequate because we couldn't land the biggest ticket since the Beatles. And we're still wrapping our heads around when Taylor Swift got this big. When did she become bigger than the Beatles and Jesus combined? Like if the Beatles came back and they had Jesus as their lead singer, they're like, hey, John Lennon, uh, he's out. Uh, Jesus is in. Do they sell as quickly as Taylor Swift? That's... That's a question we're going to be left with for all of eternity. And Taylor Swift has over a year left on this tour, so it will be the highest grossing tour of all time. And guess who will not be in attendance? This guy. And I was pumped. I'm like, girls, if we get tickets, I will be crying every single song. They're like, wait, you don't even like Taylor Swift. I'm like, but I'll be watching you guys and seeing the joy on your faces. And I'll be crying because I'll be so happy knowing how happy you are. I wanted that moment. And I won't get it. Thanks a lot, Taylor Swift. But I had my Johnny football moment. Uh, Johnny Manziel doc. The untold story is on Netflix right now. Wanted to give it my uh, undivided attention. And my full review. And here it is. A lot of surface level stuff. They did not dive very deep. Started off great. How Johnny Football became an overnight sensation. And how they spun him being from an oil family when that was never the truth. That was to hide his signing money. His friend just made up a story that he was from oil money. That's why he's flying on private planes. That is the most interesting tidbit from the entire thing. And also the fact that he flew to Vegas on a Saturday night thinking he would get back to Cleveland for a Sunday game and then not even having his return flight booked until he was in Vegas. Then he's like, I think I should book a return flight. That gave me anxiety. I'm like, okay, I am a very, I don't plan out things, but at least I'd have my return flight booked if I was making it back to my, uh, my team's game the next day. Or I don't know, just throwing this out there. Maybe not go to Vegas and go after the game on Sunday. That's just me. Johnny Manziel played in the CFL. They didn't touch upon that. Does he have any money left? Don't know. Did he burn through it all? We have no clue. What's Johnny Manziel's day-to-day life like now? They kind of glossed over that. So had I put together the Johnny Manziel doc, would have been very different. Uh, I give it a six out of 10. 
could have been better. It was entertaining for what it was, an hour's worth of information on Johnny Football. A man who I met at a UFC fight. This is the uh, the um, Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor, Holly Holm, Misha Tate card that I went to where I went with one ticket because Fox, where I worked, had the rights. And I realized quickly, if you ask for one ticket to an event, your odds are greatly increased, unless it's one ticket to Taylor Swift. And then it's just creepy. So I was sitting second row to my, uh, to my right were these four dudes. Strike up a conversation with them. They were Dana White's buddies. And I'm like, oh, do you come in to many fights? They like, they said, we have these four seats to every UFC card for life. I like, that's a good deal. Good job, guys. They're like, yeah, I, every single UFC event, we've got these seats. To my left, Gerard Butler and his uh, his manager. His ma- <laughs> his manager was this old old guy with gray hair, kind of like me now. He watched a soccer game the entire. He watched a soccer game on his phone the entire event. And I'm like, are you going to watch any of the fights? And he says, bring out the virgins. I'm like, ooh. (laughs) Because he saw it as like fighting the lions in the Colosseum of Rome. So that was that was his line. I'm like, okay, this guy's interesting. I'm going to talk to these people behind me. Behind me, Dennis Miller. And then to his right was Johnny Football. Very nice guy. Had a moment, said hi. And then uh, that was it. So... I don't know what stage of Johnny's life that was it. I don't know if he was with the Browns, if he was out of football by then. It was all just a blur. But I was there with Johnny for that one night. And that night didn't even make it into the documentary. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll make it in here. Me shaking hands with Johnny. No. But my former co-worker at uh, Fox... Andy Roddick got name checked and I sent Andy a text because they said, uh, yeah, Johnny Manziel, he's at a party hanging out with Andy Roddick. And I'm like, oh man, this is great. A guy I used to work with every single day name checked in this doc. And then I was reminded that Fox Sports Live's 10 year anniversary was this week, 10 years ago. Jay and I moved to the United States to start a brand new sports network. What a time to be alive. A three-hour show on a brand new network with approximately 20 people on air. Carissa Thompson, the host. Uh, Donovan McNabb, Gary Payton, Ephraim Salam, former lineman, uh, Andy Roddick. Gabe Kapler joined the show. Um, am I missing anyone here? Jay and I, we we did the uh, the highlights. 
On a three-hour show, we would appear, I don't know, five minutes a night. One night we appeared in a three-hour show for two minutes. There was a lot of moving parts, a lot of producers. I look back very fondly on my time there. We worked with amazing people who did nothing but try and make the show succeed. It was just... It was just a hodgepodge of too much going on. Uh, Mike Tyson was on our first ever episode. And uh, at a commercial break, Mike Tyson was standing behind the desk with Jay and I. And I said, Mike, I often wonder this. I said, if you in your prime punched me in the head as hard as you could, would you break my neck or possibly decapitate me? And Mike Tyson gave me a quasi pep talk that I remember to this day. So I asked that question to Mike Tyson. He looks at me and says, you're a lot stronger than you think. I'm like, Bum, bumsies. Mike Tyson. With words I didn't know I needed. And I believe he was high as fuck on that show. So that show lasted for about a year uh, in a big, huge studio. It was like an airplane hangar and then a, Eventually, by the end of it, Jay and I were in a literal closet where we got the closest to what we, the closest to our show in Canada was in that closet, but still it was very heavily scripted. Like we were reading off a prom. I'm like, we are doing no ad libs here. Didn't enjoy doing that show. And then we came back to Canada in our uh, we uh, did rehearsals before our show went back on air in Canada. And after the first rehearsal, Jay turns to me and says, that felt better than four years of shows in the States. And I'm like, yeah, because we're ourselves again. We don't have 20 producers saying, okay, we want to try this. We want to try that. We got one producer who's just saying, keep it between the fences and be yourselves. I wouldn't change anything about our experience. If Jay and I had not gone to Fox. We would have been filled with what ifs for the rest of our life. And the main impetus. Impetus? Impetus? I don't know how to fucking say that word. Impetus? Tim? Yeah, you had it the first time. Oh, okay. How about that? General, general candy right here. Was a former boss of ours, of ours, of ours at our former network here in Canada. When we asked him, what should we do? And he said, Dan, if you were my son in this position, I would say you would be a fool not to go to Fox. So right there, because we were on the fence. We're like, I don't know. Should we go? 
should we should we stay? And once he said that, we said, okay, let's do it. And then the whole, you guys are sellouts. Which drove me nuts. Drove me, drives me nuts to this day. Because I always point to like, okay, Brian Adams. Is he only allowed to sell his uh, songs in Canada? Is he a sellout because his songs are sold around the world? No, you guys don't call him a sellout. Michael Bublé. Is he a sellout because his songs are sold around the world? Should he only perform in Canada? And if that didn't get people away from the sellout talk, okay, say you had a job at a factory in Canada and you're making 60,000 a year. A factory in the United States says, hey, why don't you come work down here? And we will pay you three times what you're making. Show me one person in this world who says no to that. Are your friends and family say, oh, you're a sellout? How dare you? Go work for that factory in the States. No. It's the opposite. If you said no to that, every person you know would say to you, you're an idiot. So that drove me nuts. Sellouts. They were never. They were never funny. They were funnier in Canada. No. And that's the other thing I disagree. They're like, you were better before you left. No, our show, I, I cringe when I watch clips of our old shows before we went to the States. We honed our craft when we were in the States. We had the combination of our old stuff and then our, our time at Fox. And then when we came back to Canada, the four years of shows here were the greatest thing we ever did. And people that point to old clips of ours from those, the first incarnation of our show, no, that that wasn't our good stuff. They said, well, some people, when we came back, you guys were trying too hard. No, no. We were trying too hard in the first time we did the show before we went to the States. My acting was horrible. I didn't know my role in the show. I was figuring that out. But when we came back, that was a well-oiled machine. Jay and I could finish each other's sentences. I knew during a highlight pack, if I said something, I knew that would, boom, that would make something click in Jay's head. And then we could go from there. We were comfortable in silence on the show the previous shows, we weren't at that level of comfort. So if I had to put together a resume tape, if, if anyone ever offered me a TV job and they're like, hey, let me see your stuff. I would take any second of our last four years here in Canada and give it to them. I'm just like, this, 
This is magic. This is lightning in a bottle. And they said, well, what about your time in the States? I would hand them anything that we did in Russia. Because we were left on our own when Jay and I covered the Sochi Olympics. And we had a producer by the name of Kyle Libby who our brains operate the same way. And we just did some, some fun pieces in which we laugh to this day when we look at the bloopers and the stupid stories that we did while in Russia. And also it was, it's great seeing Jay and I, because I was 22 pounds heavier. We were living off of McDonald's food at the media center at the Olympics and vodka. So we were doing the super size me diet, but with vodka. So we were bloated. We were sweaty. And you know, when you're, you're on a a road trip with buddies or you're on a work trip and you, you get that, that bond when you're all together away from home and you, you just have those giddy moments. It was like that every day. Every day was like that. So we were like at camp for adults, but at the Olympics fueled by McDonald's and vodka. So that perfect combination of like, is this real life into let's make some TV makes for a magical moment. 10 years. Wow. So if you said, So first day of Fox Sports Live, Jay and I are sitting on the desk. Dan, in 10 years, you'll be sitting in a basement doing a podcast in Orono, Ontario. Let's say, sure, let's do it. And make sure you like and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family. Boomsies! It's a great little family we got going on here. Don't keep it a secret. Just uh, get the word out there. We like to build numbers. We don't want to become stagnant. We all we want to see constant growth. We want to be on that starship to starship, the rocket ship to success like Taylor Swift. So in like two years' time. They'll be like, how did Boomsies become uh, this little uh, cult thing into a worldwide phenomenon? And people will be like, I don't, I don't know. How did that happen? And maybe we can point to the origin story of that being this podcast. This is episode 82. Glad you're here. This is the Martin Strack episode. Uh, Martin Straka played 954 games in the NHL, scored 257 goals, and I don't remember a single second of his career. I think uh, he is an AI-generated player. I don't think he, this is no offense to Martin Straka, I don't think he existed. If you had a lineup of people, and it was one person, and the one person was Martin Straka, I could not pick him out of a lineup. But according to HockeyDB, my source for all hockey info, Martin Straka did indeed exist. Wanted to get to an email here, and this is a... Uh, send us your emails at uh, yeah, let's talk at gmail.com. 
yaletstalk at gmail.com. We like hearing from you. Uh, a lot of fans, a lot of feedback about the new Boomsy song by Nada Moore, our friend. People love it. It's the song of the summer. This one's uh, from Mark. Dear Dan, I hope this email finds you well. My name is Mark, and I've been a dedicated listener and fan of your podcast for a long time now. Your insightful discussions have always been a source of inspiration and entertainment for me. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Recently, I've been intrigued by the UFO congressional hearings that took place last week. Specifically, I'm curious to know your thoughts on the revelations made by retired intelligence officer David Grush, who came forward as a whistleblower to Congress alleging the existence of a secret UFO reverse engineering program and possession of alien bodies by the U.S. government in a significant development. It's pretty mind-blowing, but I can see this being true. Beyond that, I'm particularly interested in the possible implications of these revelations on the pro sports... <laughs> Wait. I'm particularly interested in the possible implications of these revelations on the pro sports world. Okay, Mark, I'm listening. Do you think people might lose interest and become more focused on the profound questions of our existence if it turns out that aliens are real? Do you envision this affecting the sports landscape and fan engagement? Do you think the NHL would ever draft an alien to play on an expansion team? There could be some good marketing opportunities here, no? On a personal note, I want to share that I've been uh, 12 years sober and my sobriety journey has been deeply transformative. Also, I had a UFO sighting myself two years ago in Pickering where I saw flaming orbs cruising overhead near the nuclear power plant on Liverpool Road. It was a surreal experience that sparked my fascination with the subject. Once again, I want to express my admiration for your podcast, your expertise, and the way you approach topics make it a true delight to listen to each episode. Bumsies! Wishing you the best. Looking forward to hearing your insights on the UFC <laughs> UFO congressional hearings, pro sports impact for the whole discussion disclosure thing. Best regards, Mark. Mark, you raise a lot of great, great topics here. The reason sports exist is to get people's minds off everything else. It's the best reality TV there is. So when you're watching a Jays game, a Leafs game, a Habs game, a Flames game, an Oilers game, whatever, you're watching a UFC event, you are tuning out the real world. It's your escape from reality. That's never going to go away. Like the UFOs, it could be end of days where they're dropping UFO bombs and we're just... Just wait a second, honey. But the UFOs are coming. I just want to want to see what happens here. Jay's got the bases loaded. But but the world's coming to an end. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I just got to watch this. Ah, shit. Chapman struck out. Okay, what's that now? But a, an alien player? Is that allowed? Is that in the CBA? Do you have to be a human to play in the NHL? I don't know. I've never looked at the the collective bargaining agreement. I don't know if it's specified having to be born on this earth to play in the NHL. But 
sign them up. That you got lightning speed. But that wouldn't really be fair because they would be they could be like at one end of the ice and teleport to the other without you even seeing them. But like and are they offside? Like are they cherry picking? If you can't see them, like all of a sudden the guy appears and they're all alone right in front of right in front of the net because they teleported there and you're like, wait a second, they are offside. You go to the video review, I can't see him. It's a good goal. So they'd have to change the video review. They're like, okay, we gotta put some dye in you so that when you're teleporting, we can see you. So you, you got a lot of CBA issues there, Mark. That you'd have to drop a whole other collective bargaining agreement. I think you're going to run into some problems there. But uh, I welcome our alien overlords. And I hope Boomsies is the, the learning that they adopt to get uh, acclimated with the human race. So like, meet more boomsies. Meet more meet, meet, meet boomsies. Welcome aboard, alien race. Like and subscribe. Uh, Tim, would an alien be allowed in the NHL? I don't know. Can he skate? I think aliens can do anything you you tell them. To. They they would be far superior. Like, we're dummies compared to them. I mean, if he sells tickets, I'm sure someone will sign them. Tim, we've never had this discussion. Considering the infinite... Considering that the universe is infinite... How many, uh, how many other planets have living creatures on them? Well, you know how a lot of people say, hey, mathematically, you know, there's got to be another planet out there. I heard Brian Cox, the, the British scientist, take a different approach and said, basically, mathematically, odds are there isn't another planet that we would ever be able to reach that would have advanced alien life forms, advanced life forms. Just if you look at the odds of this planet in this solar system, in this galaxy, the odds of another planet anywhere where we could ever reach. Oh, no, I don't care about reaching that. it. I just, I'm asking, do you think there's other forms of life somewhere out there? I, we will never reach them. Forms of life or intelligent life? Forms of life, sure. Intelligent life, uh... So there's like a basic planet out there. Yeah, anything that has like water and carbon. No, I'm talking like things walking around, like animals, humans. I'm saying there's millions of those planets where there's other creatures on. I don't think there's millions of those planets. Like maybe there's okay, one or two. Okay, you want to make a bet? Well, like we're ever going to be able to cash in on that bet? <laughs> exactly. I like those bets. I'm sure you do. 
Uh, Tim, uh, what do you what do you got for us here? Uh, we got a lot in the news. Well, and we can talk about Michael Orr, the um, the kid from the movie The Blind Side that got Sandra Bullock an Oscar. Uh, he has now sued. He has filed a lawsuit against his so-called adopted parents, uh, the Tuies, because he says that he, in fact, was never actually adopted. That they made him sign a conservatorship, a la Britney Spears. And so that, it was a lie. Yeah, and that it just basically gave them control over all of his money and business, and that when they sold his life story for the movie, that uh, the two of them plus their two birth children uh, all got paid, I believe it was 233000 each for that, and Michael Orr got nothing for for that movie. So how does it... How does all this make its way down a red carpet to the silver screen and no one says anything, including Michael would at some point he not say, okay, if we're in on this scam, where's my cut? Why now that movie was put out what? 20 years ago. He did. That's the thing. He didn't know. He thought that he had been adopted. And in fact, it was just a conservatorship that they, that he had signed. And, he didn't learn how to play football. He was already playing football, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. And he said that too. And he also said that the movie portrayed him as like not being able to really read or write very well. And that he said that that wasn't true either. Okay. So uh, what's his, uh, is, has he filed a lawsuit and for how much? Uh, he has filed a lawsuit. I don't know how much it was. I don't Give him all there. the monies. Yeah. Yeah, he was bamboozled. It's bullshit, Tim. What else? You want to talk about uh, Neymar? Yes, I want to. So he's playing in the Saudi league. How much is his contract? Uh, It's a two-year deal to join Al-Hilal. He'll take home 150 million pounds a year, according to Sky Sports which is six times more than what he made at PSG, which is the equivalent of 200 $220,145,250 Canadian. Uh, he also has perks in his contract. Okay, a, tell us. A private jet at his disposal at all times. As uh, he should. A lavish mount mansion with staff. Uh, an 80 euro bonus for every win. 80,000, sorry, euro bonus for every win and 500,000 euro for every post or story he puts on his social media that promotes Saudi Arabia. Wow, that's the big one. Huh. Wish I got paid that for promoting boomsies. 500,000 per post. Plus $80,000 per win on top of $200 million a year. Oh, man. And how long is this contract? Two years? Two years. Oh, wow. Does it need to be any longer? I think he'll make his nut. Well, you could play one game. One game, one post. You win that game. You make a post. I'm good for the year. Guys, I'll I'll see you next year. I'm just going to go live in this mansion that's paid for and fly around in my private jet. 
Neymar. Well done. I just want to chime in here. Can you see uh, Neymar basically coming uh, the Leroy and Leroy of Saudi Arabia and just going place to place promoting <laughs> every time? There's always something to do. Hey, uh, we got uh, sand here. A lot of it. There's always something to do. I think uh, Leroy and Leroy should be his Saudi Instagram advisors. Give them a cut of that 500. And it would actually be pure brilliance because it would, it would seem like he was a man of the people by dumbing it down for us instead of a slickly produced Saudi Arabia promotional video. Andrew, I love the way you think. And uh, I guess we should probably wrap up with a quick goodbye to uh, David Krejci. He decided yeah. to retire after 15 seasons in the NHL. Three weeks after Bergeron announced his ret uh, retirement, he leaves with 1,192 career games, 871 points. He won the Cup in 2011. And he was our episode 47. So our, our buddy Monty... He's getting a depleted roster for his second time behind the bench with the Bruins after winning the Jack Adams uh, last year. So, happy trails, David Krejci, a player who did exist in the NHL. I saw him with my own eyes. Uh, Tim, do you remember Martin Straka at all? Uh, yeah, I remember the name. But do you? could you... Picture him, if you close your eyes, any moment of his career. Or am I crazy in thinking that this person didn't exist? I just, I have this memory of him in a Atlanta Thrashers uniform. I don't know if that was off a hockey card or what. Just nothing specific, just him in a Thrashers uniform. Okay, let's see if he even played for the Thrashers. Um, he did not play for the Thrashers. Well, then I'm wrong. So you are the same. This guy, he played for the Penguins, Senators, Islanders, Panthers, and then the Penguins from 97 until 2004. Then his la then he played for the Kings for a season, then the Rangers for three season. And then he played in the Czech Republic for his final uh, six seasons. And he had a pretty damn good Rookie or his second season in the NHL played 84 games for the Penguins, had 64 points, including 30 goals. I I don't remember any of it. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Martin Straka, we apologize. If you want to come on the podcast to prove that you are real, we welcome you. In the meantime, uh, like, subscribe, go to our YouTube channel. Uh, we want to continue to grow things. And as we grow, we get to do more fun things um, that are in the hopper. And um, uh, that doesn't happen without you, without your eyeballs and without your ear holes. So give someone a hug. I showed up my buddy, uh, the Gary Dalladay Memorial uh, Golf Tournament yesterday. And I uh, gave the biggest hugs to my friend Pete Dalladay, a local legend in my hometown of Peterborough, and Mr. John Drews, Washington Capitals legend, as soon as I saw him. And it felt great. 
brings out the smiles in people. And be nice. Doesn't cost you anything. We'll talk to you next week. Welcome to Boomsies with Dan O'Toozy. Live from Orno in the heart of Ontario. Oh, baby, Boomsies. Thanks for listening to Boomsies.